I'm going to have some fun with you guys this morning. We're going to start you off by you guys talking. If, if you don't know me, again, my name is Randy, um, and I like interaction. Um, I'm not one to just sit here and talk to you, so I like you guys to talk to me as well. Uh, so can you go ahead and put up the first slide real quick here? Can you click on that? So we're going to talk about remembering milestones, uh, and we're going to jump into the story of Joshua and the Israelites as they're coming into the uh, new country um, and to the promised land. First thing, though, here's a question that I want to ask you. Grab a piece of paper if you can grab a piece of paper or grab a pencil or sit and think about it. If you can't find something, I'll give you just a half a second to do that. Maybe grab some scratch paper or your bulletin or something like that. So we have birthdays. Some people have uh, larger birthdays and a lot more candles on their cake than others. Um, I threw up the Frank and Ernest family reunions, right? Or not family reunions, but class reunions. Some of the milestones. The the T-shirt, I don't know if you can read that, but it says, after 15 years, she still puts up with me. So definitely marriage, right? Um, The Hall of Fame, sometimes we celebrate accomplishments. I mean, we see it in the paper. We have our own Mason County Hall of Fame, but times at work even, you know, if you're in sales or something like that, you hit a big mark in sales, you can celebrate that accomplishment. Um, there's a lot of milestones that we celebrate. Today we're going to talk about a little bit different of a milestone. Can you give me the next slide? And it's literally stones, okay? It's, it's literally a pile of rocks. Um, and the story that gravitates around this pile of rocks and the significance of what's going on with this pile of rocks. So if you have your Bibles, uh, we're in Joshua chapter 3. So right close to the beginning, I'll give you a second if you want to catch up with me and uh, do that. You can also grab the Bibles out of the pews. I'm not sure what page number it is, though. So we're going to start right off in Joshua chapter 3. You can go ahead and keep that slide up there. That's fine for right now. So just to preface this, beginning of Joshua, what's happening? Does anybody know? What's going on? What's that? They're crossing the Jordan. They're getting ready to cross the Jordan. This is of significance because how long have they been out in the desert now for? Long time, right? Forty years. They've been out in the desert. This is this is the Israelites. These are the people that came out of Egypt, okay? Um, the generation came out of Egypt, came across the Red Sea, came into the, the, the wilderness, got up to the spot where they're at right now, made some poor decisions probably, got lacked a little bit of faith, ended up going back out into the wilderness long enough that that entire generation save a couple people, Joshua being one of them, uh, a couple of people surviving the rest of that entire generation of this nation passes away out in the wilderness. Okay, so so just to give you guys a heads up, what we're what we're coming to here. Um, how many of you guys like watching movies? Does anybody here like movies? Okay, so so in a movie, there's a climax, right? There's always a climax. There's always this end thing that we're always gra- gravitating towards, right? Do you know that in the beginning of the movie, one of the small things that they put into the movie is what they call an inciting incident. Now, this is the incident. This is what happens in a movie. So pay attention next time you guys go watch a movie, right? Look for the inciting incident. What it is, is it's the moment that something changes for the main character's life that causes them to go down this path that they can no longer change until they reach the climax. Okay? It's that moment. So how many of you guys have read the book Hatchet? Anybody read the book Hatchet? Okay, I'm glad you guys have. Uh, what's the inciting minute? What happens in that that changes everything? Plane crashes, okay? He can't change that, and now he's been on the rest of the journey. Every movie, so Lord of the Rings, The Hobbit, okay? So Bilbo Baggins has a whole bunch of people come into his house, and next thing he knows, he's off on a journey, right? This is a new generation. These Israelites were children when their parents came up to this time before. They have spent their entire lives now out in the wilderness. They're getting ready to go on this amazing, epic story that God has laid out for them. And this land that he has promised their parents, that he has promised them, and that he is saying, you can have it. There's going to be battles, there's going to be giants, I mean, there's going to be all that, but you're going to get it. This moment is critical 
because this is the moment that their parents made the wrong choice. They are at their inciting incident of their story because once they cross this, once this happens, they don't go back. There's no going back. They literally have crossed into a new story. Okay, so let's go ahead and we're going to start right off in uh, Joshua chapter 3. Okay, early in the morning, Joshua and all the Israelites set out from Shittim and went to the Jordan where they camped before crossing over. After three days, the officers went throughout the camp giving orders to, to the people. When you see the Ark of the Covenant of the Lord your God and the priests who are Levites carrying it, you are to move out from your positions and follow it. Then you will know which way to go since you have never been this way before. Remember, first generation, brand new land. Never have explored this thing. Only a few people have and they said there's giants, right? But keep it a distance of about a thousand yards. So follow but not too close, right? Between you and the ark and do not go near it. And I love this. This is key right here, this verse. Joshua told the people, consecrate yourselves. For tomorrow the Lord will do amazing things among you. In other words, get ready. Something huge is going to happen and you have no idea. Okay? If they were even alive when their parents were crossing from Egypt, what happened? How did they get out of Egypt? What was the climax there? They crossed the Red Sea, right? So they had this giant thing. They were escaping Egypt. They were coming out of that. And now all of a sudden they find themselves at something somewhat familiar, some body of water. Now it's not the Red Sea, but uh, it is a river and it is at flood stage. So Joshua was saying to this nation of people, get ready. Tomorrow God's going to do something big. Okay, so Joshua said to the priests, take up the Ark of the Covenant and pass on ahead of the people. So they took it up and went ahead of them. And the Lord said to Joshua, today I will begin to exalt you in the eyes of all Israel. So not only is this a big day for the people of Israel, God tells Joshua, this is a big day for you. Because at this point, things are going to change for the rest of your life. Um, At the beginning of the book of Joshua, uh, it's interesting because the author uh, writes... Joshua, son of Nun, Moses' aid. Okay, so in other words, this is Moses' right-hand man. By the end of the book, it calls Joshua the servant of the Lord. Okay, so Joshua goes himself through a huge transformation throughout this book. And the Lord said to Joshua, Today I'll begin to exalt you in the eyes of all Israel, so they may know that I am with you as I was with Moses. Pretty big shoes to fill, I would think. Tell the priests to carry the ark across with the covenant, and when you reach the edge of the Jordan's water, go and stand in the river. Joshua said to the Israelites, Come here and listen to the words of the, Lord, of the Lord your God. This is how you will know that the living God is among you and that he will certainly drive out before you all the Canaanites, Hittites, Hivites, Perizzites, Girgashites, Amorites, and Jebusites. See the ark of the covenant of the Lord of all the earth will go into the Jordan ahead of you. Now then choose twelve men from the tribes of Israel, one from each tribe. And as soon as the priests who carry the ark of the Lord... The Lord of all the earth set foot in the Jordan. Its waters flowing downstream will be cut off and stand up in a heap. So in other words, get ready. We're going to cross the Jordan River. And by the way, there's not going to be a river there. It's all going to be dry. As soon as their feet touch, it's going to be gone. Okay? Remember, he's talking to a nation. This is a lot, a lot of people here. This isn't ten people or something like that. And uh, you can go ahead and give me the next. Okay, cool. Good job. Um, So when the people broke camp... To cross the Jordan, the priest carrying the Ark of the Covenant went ahead of them. Now, the Jordan is at flood stage all during harvest. So this isn't just a river. This is a flooded river. This is a big river. This isn't something that's just kind of like uh, Pier Marquette flowing, okay? This is like Pier Marquette at flood stage, right? This is huge. 
So when people broke camp, they'd go across. The Jordans that flushed, they'd all during harvest. Yet as soon as the priests who carried the ark reached the Jordan and their feet touched the water's edge, what happened? Interaction point right here. Come on, what happened? Water stopped up, right? Something happened. Water stops. So they're, they're walking up. Could you imagine walking up to this river and putting your foot in? And then all of a sudden the water's just kind of going, I don't know if it made that noise necessarily, but you know what I mean? It kind of went down. It stops flowing. It says it piled up in a heap a great distance away at a town called Adam in the vicinity of Zarethan while the water was flowing down the Sea of Arabah, the Salt Sea, was completely cut off. I, I don't know about you guys. This is where I love reading the Bible because I get caught up in side stories. I'm thinking, what are these people at Adam thinking, right? You know, this is a great, I, I don't, I'm not a, I'm not going to endorse the Monty Python, but I think this would be a great Monty Python moment, right? The guy walks out, the little farmer walks out of his house, and all of a sudden from Adam, and he's just getting ready to do his day, and the next thing he knows there's this river that's starting to pile up ahead of him, right? And he's just standing there going, you know, can you imagine the reaction of these people walking out of their houses and seeing this? I don't know what was happening. Does it pile up? Does it kind of go back upstream? Does it just make a column? I'm not sure, but these people are probably freaking out in Adam in and of itself. So enough that, remember, this water's piling up as a whole nation is crossing across. So just something to think about, okay? It doesn't really have anything to do with the message whatsoever, but, you know, one of those fun things, right? So the priests who carried the Ark of the Covenant of the Lord stood firm on dry ground in the middle of the Jordan while all Israel passed by until the whole nation had completing crossing on dry ground. That's a long time. These are a lot, a lot of people. Okay, that little farmer up in Adam now has a, has a big sign that says, come visit heap, right? The big heap of Adam, $5. Get your picture taken with it. Okay, while the whole nation had finished crossing the Jordan, the Lord said to Joshua, choose 12 men. Now this is where it gets interesting. Choose 12 men from among the people from each tribe and tell them to take up 12 stones from the middle of the Jordan, from right where the priest stood, and carry them over with you. Remember, the 12 men are representing the 12 tribes. Okay, so back with Abraham, he had a son named Isaac. Okay, Isaac had a son named Jacob, and Jacob had a son named... Well, he had a lot of sons. Okay, that's where all the 12 tribes are coming from, right? And so these are the kind of the chieftains from those tribes, um, these main guys coming in. Carry them over and put them down in the place where you stay tonight. So Joshua called together the 12 men he had appointed from the Israelites, one from each tribe, and said to them, Go over before the ark of the Lord your God into the middle of the Jordan. Each of you is to take up a stone on his shoulder according to the number of tribes of Israelites to serve as a sign among you. Now remember that because we're going to come back to that. In the future, when your children ask you what do these stones mean, tell them that the flow of the Jordan was cut off before the ark of the covenant of the Lord. When it crossed the Jordan... The waters of the Jordan were cut off. These stones are to be a memorial to the people to last forever. So what are the point of these stones? They're a memorial, right? So there's this amazing event that happens, this inciting incident, this point of no return that Israel crosses into the promised land. And God says, hey, take some stones out of that river. I want you to, you know, back then they, they didn't have, you know, I don't know. It would be interesting to know, like, if we were in that context right now, would God have us take stones out? Would he have us take out our iPads or iPods and take a picture and then click it to our Facebook and Google Earth it or something? I don't know. I don't know what would happen nowadays. But back then all they had were rocks. So they took these rocks out of the river and they took and they piled them up, okay? And so, so the Israelites did as Joshua commanded them. They took the 12 stones from the middle of the Jordan according to the number of the tribes. And we skip ahead a little bit. And the priests bring everything up. And it's interesting because now they're on the other side. 
And there it says that there were two and a half of these 12 tribes had 40,000 men in and of themselves coming across, and those were just the warriors. I mean, could you imagine seeing this contingent of people? I mean, this was a massive undertaking crossing this river. And that was just two and a half of the 12 tribes, all these people coming onto the other side of the land. Imagine the stories this is going to start to spark as they cross. Imagine what these people up in Adam are saying, besides this giant standing column of water, when they find out it's because there's this nation that's coming into the new land. What would that make you think? How would that make you feel? You'd be kind of freaked out, wouldn't you? Why, why didn't it dry up when I crossed it? That's no fair. You know, I mean, but there's something happening here. And, and all of a sudden, word starts spreading out. And as we read farther in Joshua, as we read of the Jericho, and we, read, we, we, we hear that these people all over this nation have, I mean, this story spreads. And it spreads without Facebook. It spreads without texting. This, this story spreads by word of mouth like crazy all over the country. That there is a new nation coming in. And God's on their side. I mean, this is a huge act. It spreads, and what it does for Joshua and his status and, and what, who he is as a man of God and, and as a leader for Israel. I mean, this is a big-time thing that happens for these guys. And it says on the verse 19, okay, you have it up there already. On the tenth day of the month, the people went up from the Jordan and camped at Gilgal, and on the eastern border of Jericho. And Joshua set up at Gilgal the twelve stones they had taken out of the Jordan. He said to the Israelites, so let's read this together. So he said to the Israelites, uh, verse 21, what does that next part say? In the... Okay, that's good enough. So Lord God did not did go to the Jordan. Um, what he had done to the Red Sea. So again, there's this... There's this thing, this theme, this ripple that God was with them when they left Egypt to save them from slavery. Now God's with them as they're starting this whole new adventure. And he did this so that all the peoples of the earth might know that the hand of the Lord is powerful and so that you might always fear the Lord your God. So there's this act, this memorial, this undertaking that what God does, it's not only that they cross the river, but they need to remember that they cross the river. And there's importance on that. Can you give me the next slide real quick? I'm going to switch subjects real quick. We're going to, we're going to switch gears. So, so we have this pile of stones. It's interesting because so God sets up this memorial. He tells Israel, this is important. You need to remember this act because, because this is when I was with you. And I'm always with you. But you really need to take this because this is going to help you out in the future. And you know what? When your kids go by this, decades from now, and when, when little Jimmy says, hey, what's that pile of rocks there for? You, you can say, well, because... This is a really cool story. Listen real closely. This is, this is when God showed up. This is when he stopped this river. This is when our country came. I mean, these are huge things. It's interesting because this whole tradition of, of stones and piling up stones uh, hasn't diminished whatsoever. Actually, all over the world we have piles of stones. Does anybody know what they're called? Anybody tell me what the term for them are? What the term for them is? Backpacking people? Carns. Yes. Good job. Everybody give them a round of applause. Yay. Okay. You win 10 bucks afterwards, Gary, we'll give that to you. So, 
Okay. Um, so cairns. So this is this is a huge thing. These cairns. And now cairns can be for a lot of different things. Some of them are for memorials, just like what Israel. Some of them are for memorials that are that aren't as majestic. Maybe they're more sad. Um, there's cairns in Africa where British soldiers were killed during, um, I think, World War II. Uh, you, you know, there's these cairns all over the world to mark different things, whether they're majestic memorials or, or not memorials at all. And then for backpackers, there's cairns to mark what? The trails, okay? So it's a really cheap, simple way that, and as a backpacker, part of your obligation as you're walking along, if you're if you're a nice person, is to pick up a rock and continue putting it on it, right, as you go along. Um, and then, so this is through the Appalachian Trail and a lot through Europe. A lot of these trails are just piles of rocks over and over again. So you, once you get to one cairn, if you look up, You'll find the next one and know where your route is, and if and you help out by putting another one on. You know these piles of rocks. This is something that that hasn't just been around back then. This is something that we do today, and it's interesting when we think about it um, and the relation that they have to our own lives. You know, I, I I think more in poetic sense. So I think as a backpacker, when I'm putting that Karen on the pile of rocks, it's almost like saying, "Hey, I was here too. Hey, I was here too. Hey, I was here too." And, and there's a few pivotal pieces of of what a Karen does. Now, think about this in relationship uh, to our faith as Christians. So if we have these real cairns, right, that mark trails and that, that serve as memorials and that do that, what, what would you say, let's go to the symbolic side as Christians in general of our faith. What are our cairns? Can you give me the next slide real quick? And do, just leave it there. What are our cairns? Salvation. Salvation. Okay. Yep, definitely the cross. And the whole idea of what Christ did for us. What would you say? What are our cairns? Huh? Yeah, our sacraments, right? I mean, they are things that were instituted. If a cairn is something that helps you remember where you've been or an event that took place in your, in your life, think about it. Our cairns are our sacraments. So first one, give me the next slide here. First one's baptism, right? And the importance, what's baptism mean? Can somebody tell me what baptism means? Come on, I know you guys can do this one. Identity. Identity. It's about coming into the family of Christ, right? It's a celebration, a milestone. It's something that we do to show who we are and what's taking place on the inside of us. This is a cairn. This is something that we look back on and say, I was baptized when, or my parents... You know, it just... This is something that we look back on that we have an event over. Like crossing the river, we come into a new identity. There's a reason that baptism uses water, by the way. It does allude back to the Red Sea and back to some of this stuff. About coming out of slavery and coming into new life. This is one of our cairns. So somebody said the Lord's Supper. So go ahead and give me the next slide. That's the second sacrament is the Lord's Supper. This is a, another cairn that we use. What is the Lord's Supper? What does that mean? Somebody tell me. What's the importance behind it? What's that? Blood and blood of Jesus. I heard somebody back here say it was a sacrifice. Right? What else? Remembering. Do this in remembrance of me, right? I mean, Jesus instituted a care. He said, he threw some rocks together and said, Look, listen to this. this. This event, when you do this, this is supposed to be done. Remember the sacrifice that I've given for you guys, that my body is broken for you and my blood is shed for you. This is a care and this is important because when you do this, you're going to remember. It's just like walking past this rock pile. Mom, Dad, why do you guys go up front of church and, and, and drink the wine and eat that bread? Is it good bread? Not good bread? Is it real wine or great? You know, but, but you can say, well, because this is, this is something important that's part of our identity as Christians. 
This is part of who we are as a faith. This is is our stone piles. Uh, Can you give me the next slide, please? So so that's the big, you know, big church. That's big things. Let's zoom this in. What are the cairns in your own life of your faith? When it comes to your faith and when you're walking down the trail, what are your cairns? What are your piles of rocks? What is your Jordan River? What would you say? All of a sudden, a little bit quieter. Marriage? Salvation? Prayer? Okay. How about this? Everybody grab that same piece of paper, same pencil. I'm going to have you think about this, because I think you guys are onto something. You're onto something. You have a couple of things. Think about this. What? And, and I'm, not, I'm not looking for in general right now. I'm looking for you specifically. What are your cairns? You know, maybe somebody said salvation. Maybe it's the time that you came to Christ. That's a big care at the point where you came and where you gave yourself over to him and that you asked for forgiveness and you realized that he's the Lord and Savior of your life. Okay? That's a good care. What are other cairns? What's that? Okay. Take a couple seconds, try to write down some that were specifically for you. So if it might be children or if it might be uh, something else, put, put down names, put down times, events, dates, something like that. If you're struggling here, I, I can think of a couple of mine. Things, and these are things that, that might have God showed up in your life. And the reason I'm, just to kind of fast forward real quick and to let you guys... As Christians, a lot of times we focus on the one Karen, right? We focus on when I came to Christ, which is huge and needs to be focused on. But I think a lot of times that's where we leave our faith journey at. They say, this is when I came to Jesus. This is where I stood, you know, this is, this is my saving grace moment. And so we put all our rocks on that pile and we forget that the journey doesn't stop there. It starts there. And that there should be probably other, and, and you can tell usually people that get stuck in this because, because we revert back to that story over and over and over again when somebody asks us about who we are in Christ. And we forget that God doesn't just show up then. I mean, he didn't just show up for Israel at the Red Sea. He didn't just show up for Israel at the Jordan River. He showed up for Israel at Jericho. He showed up for Israel at the next city. He showed up for Israel at the next city. He showed up for Israel in David. He showed up for Israel in Christ. He God continually, I mean, the whole Bible is full of things. You know, so the question in your own life, what are, what are those other things that God's showing up for? And are you looking for them? What would you say? What are some things that you guys wrote down? Anybody want to be bold enough to say, maybe say something they wrote down? First time leading worship. First time leading worship. Yeah, definitely. Yeah, so that small group experience, that first time really getting the meat and going, whoa, this is what community is kind of like. This is what really sharing life is. That's huge. And that, you know, the stories that were shared up here before I even got up here, I mean, those are things to be remembered and to be celebrated and to, and to be, you know, lifted up. I mean, those are things. You know, and our issue as Christians, I think a lot of times we just kind of go forward and we don't think about that stuff. And we, and we don't take time to celebrate or we don't take time to really think about where God is showing up back in our lives. You know, I, and, the, and the, here's the interesting part. Karen's really have a threefold kind of thing, okay, that they help us out with. First one, they, they, they point up to God, right? So, so why did this pile of rocks get here? Well, God stopped the Jordan River. God showed, God showed up, right? 
Okay, God showed up. So, so looking back on these characters reminds us that God shows up, that God is active, that God is real, and he is, he is involved in our lives, and that he cares for us, okay? Another, the second part is for, for us to have a track record, to look back and say, God just didn't show up once. He showed up when I went to small group, too. And he showed up at this point in time in my life. And when I was really struggling with this, he showed up here. And when, and when I was having a good time, but, but, but I was trying to really leap out in faith and, you know, whether it would be tithe or going on a short-term mission, you know, he showed up for that. He provided for me. I mean, those are things that we have to continually remember that God showed up for. And the great thing, just like backpacking, is, is you can, if you get lost or you think you're lost, all you have to do is look back and what do you see? Cairns, right? A whole trail of them. A lot of times you can line them up and figure out where the next one might be. So in backpacking, you usually have the ability to see the next Karen, where we don't really have that in life all the time. But there's a lot of times in life, as Christians, I don't know about you, but I get confused, or I get challenged, or I don't know what the next step is, or I struggle with my faith, I have doubts. But if I can look back and see the Karens that are behind me, and if I've taken time to cement those and remember those and to celebrate those, I can say, okay, I can get through this next thing. Or I can have the faith to do this next thing. Or I can step out of the box because I know the last time I did it, God showed up. And so, so, so I can do it now. And the third purpose, I think, of a Karen is just like for the Israelites to tell their children, our, our Karens in our lives and our spiritual journeys, your Karens, when you, for you guys that are in high school, when you're walking through... It's not just about what Christ did when, when you maybe were in junior high and at camp and gave your life to Christ. It's about what God is doing today in your life because those are things that we can pass along on to others. Those are things that you know people say, oh man, you know, and we can share those stories to others, whether it be our children, right? Whether it be our children or whether it be somebody who doesn't know Christ or whether it be a friend who's struggling in their faith. Those are things that we can pass along. They become stories that we can share. So, so part of the question is, is for you guys is really my challenge today is, is for you to think about what those Karens are. And then how do you record those? How do you put those together? What do you do? This is a really practical side, right? So what do you do to remember those? How many of you guys journal? Does anybody in here journal? Okay, maybe one or two. Okay, there might be some other ways that you can do that. But really take time and remember those instances and then use those. And as you're walking forward in your faith, especially with this, you know, I know some people here have a heart for small groups and have a heart for reading, reaching out to the community of small groups and stuff. Those stories of small groups changing people's lives, the stories that we share up here, those are our cares that we can use to continue to prod each other and push each other and encourage each other to continue on forward with that journey. Cool. You know, I think that's the beautiful part is that this, this is a... It's sharing our lives with other people, too. It's using these things to share our lives with other people and to continue passing on this story. Because, because the story didn't end with Israel. The story didn't end with this pile of rocks with Israel back then. The story didn't end with the Israel when they came out of the Red Sea or crossing the Jordan. The, the story's still going on. You are part of this God's story. And God is still doing things like stopping the Jordan River. And he still has power to work in your life, whether you feel like he does or not. And he still loves people the same that he used to. And he still works mighty ways. And he still calls us on a mission to change this world. So use those instances. Pass on those stories. Um, so the challenge for you, though, is to think about what they are. And, and if honestly, if you got to the point where you're going, I am blank. I, I went to church. I, I go to youth group or I go to small. I, I don't have one. I can't think of one. 
then it might be worth thinking about where you at in your relationship with God in the first place and who Christ is in your life. And maybe it's time to start putting together and asking God to, to bring you through something so that you can establish a Karen in your life. Because that's why we're all here. Okay, let's go ahead and pray. Uh, Father God, uh, you give us many, many stories in our very own lives of places where you show up, whether it be in our marriages, whether it be in um, our struggles, whether it be in our salvation, whether it be in, in providing for us or showing up mighty in your spirit. Help us acknowledge you. Help us be able to look back and to remember and to continue forward uh, sharing those stories with others who might need to hear them. In Jesus' name we all said.